Hello again, and welcome to another episode of Friends, Facts, and Fiction. As always, this podcast is made possible by our local convenience stores, the misappropriation of history, and you. And now to your hosts, Justin Hammonds, Brant Bramlett, and Drew Shellnut. What's up? What's happening, the world? It's a podcast called Friends, Facts, and Fiction. And this is, uh, is this not a full episode, but like a like an episode, though? You know what I mean? <laughs> um, or, it, it's a tweener. I mean, it's not in between seasons, but this is a uh, yeah, I a, swear. a small a small boy. I, I swear we're going to get into like prohibition. I swear we, we said it. We're going to do man. it, um, which we'll get into that. In so, a second here. so let's do a quick recap of why we have not. I uh, did a deep dive on Prohibition yet, which is going to be fun because there's a lot of fucking loony bins in the Prohibition area. And uh, trust me, you want to hear that. But Actual psych um, words or you're talking about just like crazy ass fucking people? Loony, loony tunes, I guess. Loony I tunes. Say. I loony like tunes. that. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, loony By the way, this, loony is, this is Justin Hammonds that uh, introduced yeah. the episode, I'm, as he always I'm, does. I'm, I'm about to do that. And then I'm, the I'm Grant Bramlett. Okay, whatever. Um, so yeah, I'm just I was looking at Grand Bramlett. Um and uh, the the big homie Drew Shells, Drew Shellnut, uh, is currently not with us. He's at work because we're recording on an off day of the oh, studio. Shit. Do we want to try and get him to call in? I totally forgot about that. Um, we can. Yeah, well, yeah, I'll I'll, uh, I'll text him here. Just text him and see. We we'll, we'll, may have a Drew pop in later in the in the yeah. episode. Uh, anyway, so. <clears throat> oh wait, I don't have my phone. <laughs> the whole uh, the whole reason why we've been kind of uh astray, if you will. I don't know if that's the word, but um Grant got COVID. Yeah. Um, so basically uh my wife's grandfather passed away and then I was playing mad catch up and finally got caught back up like with my my lawn care landscaping company and then uh Monday, which was the day before Justin's birthday. Oh, yeah. So uh, I went out to the bar with a large group of friends, and we all had an excellent evening. It felt a little weird that day. It actually took a COVID test negative. Okay, fine. Oh, you felt weird before we hung out? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I felt weird. It was negative. And then the following day had a huge, like, mulch job that uh, you weren't on because it was your actual birthday and you were... Doing what I've decided is going to be my birthday present to myself. Fucking nothing. Yeah. Dude, my 33rd birthday yeah. in November, I am turning my phone off and I am laying <laughs> down for a vast majority of that day. Um, but anyways. Yeah, yeah, I chilled hard, son. Dude, I'm, I'm so I think proud I, of you. I went and got, I think I went and picked up my girl's car and we had like a drink mm-hmm. somewhere and then came back home. That's awesome. And I was like, happy birthday. Dude, that's, that's so amazing. great. Anyways, I... Uh, uh, sweated my balls off all Tuesday and then was done. And then we, uh, ran out, grabbed a bite to eat. And I was like, geez, my allergies are just going haywire. Like just real bad. And then Wednesday morning, uh, Shelly texted us to say oh, that yeah. she tested positive for COVID. And I was like, I fucking knew it. And I tested, it was like two minutes. The little strip was in the thing and it was bright red. Like, like boom. Like, you, you got you, that you shit. You in there, bro. <laughs> you got some swimmers, my guy. So it was, it was uh, five days of like really weird head colds, bad seasonal allergies mixed with narcolepsy. It was so weird, dude. Like Damn. I just kept yeah. passing out. I would like wake up, 
be like, what the fuck just happened? Why? What time is it? Where am I? I'm kind of hungry. And I would like eat a little snack and then pass back out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey. There's days bro. of that shit, dude. It, it happens, was crazy. Bro. It happens. And then the second that um, I was able to be around people and better again, I guess you got the flu? I, I don't know. Um, I don't know what truly happened. Um, so after my birthday, uh, I guess hangout that happened. Yeah. On, uh, what was that, Monday? Yeah. Was yeah, it Monday? Yeah. It was yeah. last Monday. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So after that night, I was fine. I was hungover as shit, but it was a nice hangout. Thank, for, thank you for everybody that came out. Uh, Tales from Walk-In popped up. Thank y'all for coming through. Check out their podcast. Love those guys. And Gal, Katie, and Vic, and Clay. I didn't see Katie. Yeah, I didn't see Katie in a minute. Oh, okay. No, I'm saying just shout out to the podcast. Oh, yeah, 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 but sure. Vic and Clay showed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but um, yeah, man, after that, I was just hungover and I was like, fuck it. Another day, worked a week of, I had two doubles that week on top of like three regular shifts. So, you know, a week and a half worth of work in like five days. And um, then Sunday comes, you know, the day before Memorial Day. And uh, get my shit rocked at the bar, Inglewood Lounge. You know, mm-hmm. the jam every Sunday night, 9 p.m. to 1 a.m. Anyway, um, get our shit rocked because more days the next day. So all the normal people are out and all the artists are out. So, um, <clears throat> and normal people, I mean people that work Monday through Friday. You know, anyway. Um, <laughs> so after that Sunday, I woke up Monday sick as fuck, but it was not COVID. And I was like... Sick, sick. I'm talking like going through like hot, not sweating, cold, but sweating, fucking like muscles tensing and loosening up and like crazy, just crazy shit. Um, thank God for Kayla. Uh, love you, girl. That's my baby. Um, and she took care of me and I bounced back. And uh, we're in the studio now. What, three days after? Yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of one of those things where we got to, you know, crank this out. So we can put it up literally tomorrow, um, yeah. <clears throat> but right. you, you'll get it tomorrow for us now, I guess. Yes. Yeah. But um, <laughs> our our third, uh, who I'm missing dearly, uh, he had to work because yeah. he his job is you know he wasn't planning on ever having to record on Thursdays. <laughs> yeah, it, it, exactly. Exactly. And, and, and the one with the actual health issues is the one that's been well yeah. this whole time, yeah. able I mean, to do it. We, we, well, we had the, well, it all started with the pause we had to do uh, for his little hospital yeah. visit. Yeah, that's true. And then you got sick, then I got sick, and then now it's like, oh, we're recording this week? It's like, ah, I guess like a little mini tweener. Yeah. Um, I, so, I, yeah. Honestly, forgot to, to mention, too, uh, our uh, engineer has been in the hospital for like the last two days, oh, wow. three days. Yeah. Okay, that's news. So it's like COVID, either some false negatives or getting COVID again, like immediately after, which doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Because you should have antibodies for it. Different, like a whole different. Uh, Yeah, maybe. A fucking COVID Delta Omicronish Terminator. Went to a dock in the box because of a fever of 102.5. They immediately uh, said to go to the ER. Oh, shit. Yeah, because it's 102, bro. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's. And then. Yeah. Uh, was stuck in uh, MICU or like a, I think it's moderate intensive care unit, I think, mm. something like that. The, the, it's the right before? Yeah, yeah, it's the step mm. down. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, uh, from the ICU. You're important, but like not VIP. Yeah, 
You probably you IP. you're probably not gonna die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you just need some IV plugged in. Well, this crazy yeah. AFib shit was going on, so oh, it had like a resting heart rate of 120. Shit. Yeah, which Damn. is if you're healthy, it's like 60 to 75. Yeah, you that's, know? Uh, yeah, that's terrifying. And so a bunch of medications to try and drop the heart rate down, but then that was uh, putting a severe risk for blood clots, which could turn yeah. into a stroke. Exactly. And so they were like, well, let's make sure that you can handle blood thinners before we let you go. So released uh, with a prescription for blood thinners and is back home now and um, doing much better. Uh, uh, we spoke today and uh, I think it's... It's going to be fine, but it's just one of those, like, what the fuck is happening? Everybody's yeah, getting you know, sick right now. Um, it's crazy. I, I just think uh, we're all getting that summer coat on. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm getting that summer protecting. It's about time to grind. You know, everybody's getting shit, those summer jobs, grinding, going back man. home for the summer and all that shit. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, That's a good point. Everybody's just getting ready for the summer, bro. It's like, where? I'd rather get sick now than in deeper into the grind. Sure. You know, like, sure. like beginning of July, mid-July, it's a fucking terrible time to get, like, Sick, sick. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'd rather be grinding it out and getting that money and fucking like right. get sick in October. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, um, you know, we can never predict what happens. And um, we've been going through a lot. So um, thank y'all for sticking with us. Thank y'all for still listening. Um, never forget to give us that five star uh, thumbs up. Follow us Instagram, Spotify, all that. Um, iTunes, Google, whatever. Tune Squad. Core, we're on all of all the stuff. Anywhere you're um, listening to this podcast, we're on this podcast because you're listening to this podcast. Yeah, and we <laughs> thank y'all so much uh, for sticking around. But we, I promise, we do have a dope season coming. Like we just gotta, <laughs> we gotta get back on track. We've been derailed a little bit, yeah, yeah, but yeah. the the train is back up. We yep. just gotta get back on the tracks, and then we're gonna be good. We're gonna be fine. Yeah. Um, so we were talking about it. Uh, we know we've got this season mapped out as far as our topics uh, for research are concerned. But you know, it's never too late or too early, rather, to look ahead. You know, be thinking true. about season six. Even it, this you is true. I mean? We're always looking ahead for season six, seven, eight, nine, twelve, we're, ten. We're, we're picking up sticks for season um, six. Oh shit! You already coined the shit. Oh my god! Bars. My boy is ahead of his time <laughs> out here. Um, but yeah. Before we get into this uh, crazy list that I found of things, uh, I think we're going to try to get Drew on. Mm. Drew, mm. call Drew. Drew, call I'm calling Drew. you. I didn't even tell him I was calling. I said, you free for a second? He said yes, and I Hello. just called him. Hey. Oh, hey, buddy. How you doing? Hey. There you he know, is. I'm doing. I miss you. Playing, playing damage control. Okay. That, that's how it goes. Uh, th- this is uh, Drew Shownut, uh, the hey. host of this podcast. Hey. hey. <laughs> What's cracking, man? You know, just running an electronic store. There you go. Hey, that's what I'm talking about, bro. This is uh, Drew's, on the ground. This is Drew's yeah. job of the day of the week. He's at uh, Electronic hey, Express Hey, job now. of the day of the week. Hey, that sucks. <laughs> nah, nah, that's all good, bro. <laughs> Hopefully it's the job of the day of the year. Hey. You know, <laughs> I hope so too, man, in all seriousness. You, you, know, you know, they say... A jack of all trades is a master of none, but it's better than a master of one. Ooh. Hey. I like that. You know what I'm saying? So, so don't forget the other half of that. But anyway, um, we're going to go through this list of ideas, Drew, for our podcast um, in the future. Um, yeah. Some of these are a little wordy, but... Uh, hey, clearly, uh, Justin's got his recording voice on because we are actually recording the episode as we speak. So, this is the list of... <laughs> Topics that we may could cover. After sacking the city of Antioch in 
540 CE, Sansanian Emperor Corso Corso mm, built a new city that looked almost exactly the same and called it We Antioch Crusoe, which translates roughly to Crusoe made a city city better than Antioch. W- wait, Interesting what? Interesting story. He just ripped the city down and then built the same city. It was like, this one's better. Yeah, because I, <laughs> I built it. Because I built it. Oh, um, that's awesome. Yeah, that's one. Um a and, humble man. Yeah, very humble say. man. Yeah, yeah. Um, another one is uh, the 1904 Olympics. Um, yeah, I'm, I've, I love this one so much. So I'm actually going to read a little Smithsonian article about it after we're done with our list because it's fucking amazing. Yeah. Drew, you heard about that? The 1904 Olympics? No. It's awesome. Oh, so we'll cover it here in, in a sec. In St. Louis, it was held in St. Louis, and the marathon of the 1904 Olympics was a total mess. The first place finisher did most of the race in a car. <laughs> the guy in second almost died from eating rat poison. Yeah. And the fourth place finisher raced in dress pants and shoes. What? Yeah. Yeah. And took a nap by the side of the road for part of the race. Yeah, he was actually in the lead for most of it. Uh, he was this Italian guy, and he kept stopping to like ask people for like their food or some water or some money <laughs> and stuff like that. But he barely spoke English, and people were like, "What the fuck? Who is this fucking Italian guy in dress pants and dress shoes running the route of the marathon? And why is he asking me for my orange?" Like, <laughs> first, of, first of all, he's a pioneer because now they just have water kiosk stations. You know what I'm saying? That's true. He's ahead of his time. Yeah, he's ahead of his time, yeah, yeah. bro. He was like, bro, I'm a time traveler. They do this in 2010. What's going on? Yeah, but that was really a tortoise and hare situation. He was in the lead for most of the race, and then he stopped and took a nap and finished in fourth because of it. That's fucking wild. <laughs> wow. So I'm ahead of these fools. I'm taking a quick little breather. Uh, Don't mind um, if I cut through the middle, do you? Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> so third one is uh, there was a cat who started... <laughs> Who started in the Nazi Navy in World War II? What? It, yeah, yeah. Like a house cat? Yeah, like a, just a regular fucking cat. <laughs> uh, he, who translated his his uh, his articles of, of formation? Uh, I don't know, but he's cool. in the Nazi Navy. Uh, then he became a ship's <laughs> a ship's cat in the British Royal Navy, and survived three sinking ships during his naval service. Holy shit! So he wow. switched sides. He switched sides. Survived switched. that <laughs> and, and then survives shipwrecks. Hey, bro, That's amazing. Reincarnation is real, kid. Anyway. Wow. A cat's it also us. proves that you can move from the dark side. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, ooh, that's a word. Kutalun, Kutalun, a descendant of Genghis Khan, uh-huh. refused to marry unless her suitor could beat her in a wrestling match. Nobody ever defeated her. Oh, it's a dope story. I want that one. Drew, you take the cat one. I'm going to take that one. That was badass. Uh, The Polish army enlisted a bear as a soldier during World War II. Of course. Oh, of course they did. Number six. Might as well. Yeah, right not. Um, A woman named Violet Giuseppe survived not only the sinking of the Titanic, but also the destruction of both of the Titanic sister ships. What? Okay, hold on. <laughs> she got back on? What? Yeah, after the Titanic, bro, I wouldn't Dude. get back on a ship in my life. Girl. No. <laughs> Especially one made by the same <laughs> fucking company. Bro, fuck, fuck that. that. No. 
No, I'd be scared of planes, boats, all that shit. <laughs> Fuck all that. Um, seven. Robert Liston, a surgeon in the 1800s, performed an operation with a 300% mortality rate. Instead of saving the patient, he killed three people. What? <laughs> Did, what? what? I need more information. I, I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> what the fuck? Okay, so Liston was renowned for being one of the fastest surgeons alive. Okay, which at the time was a very good thing. Anesthesia, sure, yeah, yeah. Anesthesia, as we know it, didn't exist. Right, they they weren't yeah. down. Yeah, like, so, so patients were awake for yeah. the entire procedure. Right, meaning the shorter it was, the better. Liston was performing a leg amputation, but worked so fast that it accidentally cut off two fingers on his assistant's hand. Both the patient and the assistant died later of gangrene. Oh, my, oh God. my God. Wait, where's the third person? I'm about to get to it. Oh, okay, most, great. Most likely due to the saw <laughs> being unclean. What about the third death? Well, doctors and other spectators would often watch these surgeries for the gall- from the gallery. It was like a fucking uh, amphitheater, uh, which was much more up close and personal than medical galleries today. During the procedure, Listen excellently swiped near an elderly doctor with a blade, slicing the fabric of oh the doctor's my God. suit. Thinking he had been cut open, the doctor went into shock and died of subsequent heart attack. <laughs> Jesus Christ So he died from like a placebo uh, pill yeah, yeah, A placebo yeah. knife That was a placebo death right there That's, That's fucking awesome. crazy That's bro. so good That's great uh, Another one uh, Twice the US and the USSR were likely saved From all out nuclear war by just one person Wow hmm. Best mm. Best, best. That's a longer article than I, I want to read right now. Sure. Um, that sounds, yeah. like, that <laughs> sounds like a topic we would cover, though. Yeah, of course. We're yeah. definitely going to. I'm going to look into that for sure. Um, and if listeners, if any of these are interesting to you, just email us and we'll cover them. And we'll look into it. Friends. So I, do think, I, I do think that's that's that we, do we, we definitely need to, and I think I was going to hit on this on one of the, the earlier episodes that we did this season, the island right off of South Carolina that's part of South Carolina. Yeah. Mm. That we should definitely hit on because it's one of the only places in the U.S. with um, uh, monkeys. That's right. Are you talking Gullah Island, bro? <laughs> no, uh, no. It's I can't remember the name of the island. That's a real place. Uh, it's Wait, actually are you called, fucking kidding me? Gullah, Gullah people are Gullah, Gullah Island is. Oh town. yeah, yeah. No, yeah, my uh, oh, my mother awesome. my mother in law is actually from there. <laughs> yeah, that's actually that's, where Karen's from. Oh, yeah, we've had this shit. conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a real thing. Yeah. Wow, you can tell how tired I am. They have some dank ass food out there, bro. Their food is fucking anyway. Um, but yes, we definitely should cover that. That could be your creature yep. corner, bitch. Yeah, creature corner, bitch. Bitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number nine. An entire town in Nevada basically invented the concept of the Wild Wild West by staging gunfights, bank robberies, and Western cliches from the 1800s dime novel. Wow. I did not know that. That's awesome. They staged yeah. the shit. To I'm not surprised, but I love it. You know, you get you get great. people to come there. If yeah. there's like, you know, crime or morbid shit, people flock to that shit. Uh Ernest Hemingway's younger brother started his own country on a raft in international waters near Jamaica and named it New Atlantis. Ooh. Hmm. I 
like that. Mm. Ernest Hemingway mm. was a fucking wild dude. Yeah, yeah, he's weird dude. He's crazy. Uh, so I'm not. I'm sure his brother was fucking nuts too. Um, Matt Jack Churchill, a British Army officer during World War II, was famous for going into battle with a longbow, a broadsword, and bagpipes. Mm. Yeah, just went into battle, man. Ready to Some go, bagpipes. Cool. Ready to go, guess. If nothing, you can annoy him to death. I mean, I guess that's what he wanted to do. <laughs> I mean, he merang- Apparently, he miraculously survived multiple battles. So, what is this know. atonal bullshit? Well, you know. God, I'm gonna go over there. I'm gonna go over there. I'm tired of this guy. Yeah. So, Battle one. So this is the last one. Which what? At one point, the makers of Pepsi had the sixth largest military in the world. Mm. Wait. What, right, bro? What? You know what? Let's just leave that. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna drop that right there. I'm gonna drop that right there because that is that's wild. That so. is cool. Six largest military in the world, makers of Pepsi. What the fuck? I didn't. What like <laughs> it's shit like this, bro? Shouts yeah, out yep. to Buzzfeed for the twelve truly weird historical events. Yeah, that's great. Um, what the fuck? That's bro? good for our little workshop there. Yes, yeah, it's, it's yeah. nice. And you know, for the listeners to see what we talk about when we meet up, basically, yeah, that's yeah. shit like this. Yeah. We dive a lot deeper into the topics, but you know, that's not as fun as our uh, brainstorming sessions. So I, I really, absolutely. So uh, Justin texted me like the little BuzzFeed thing and then immediately said the 1904 Olympics is, looks pretty funny. And I was like, dude, it's fucking hysterical. Yeah. Um, a podcast, like a whole bunch of the dollop, uh, it's very popular, but they did like an hour and a half on it. Uh, so I figured I would just read a Smithsonian article just cause they already did it. Go listen to their episode. They did it as good as probably a little better yeah. than we would do it. So, yeah. you know, you know, um, it's, it's fucking hilarious. Yeah. But this is a, a Smithsonian magazine article by Karen Abbott. Uh, the 1904 Olympic marathon may have been the strangest ever. In 1904, St. Louis hosted the Olympic Games as part of the World's Fair and produced a spectacle that incorporated all the mischief of the midway. America's first Olympics may have been its worst, or at the very least, its most bizarre. Held in 1904 in St. Louis, the Games were tied to that year's World Fair, which celebrated the centennial of the Louisiana Purchase while advancing, as did all such uh, turn-of-the-century expositions, the notion of American imperialism. Although there were moments of surprising and genuine triumph, uh, like gymnast George Iser earned six medals, including three gold, despite his wooden leg. Damn. Yeah, I'm going to get that a beat. Shouts out to MBTs being gangsters. The, the games were largely <laughs> overshadowed by the fair itself, which offered its own roster of sporting events, including the controversial <laughs> Anthropology Days, in which a group of quote-unquote savages recruited from the fair's international villages competed in a variety of athletic feats. Amongst that, a greased pole climb, quote-unquote ethnic dancing and mudslinging. Mm. For the amusement of the Caucasian spectators. Yeah, we can go oh to, my God. Go to slide up out yeah. Of yeah. The whole concept <laughs> behind it, and they might cover it in the article, but the whole concept behind it was this the guy that like put all this together was absolutely convinced that white people were the top of the athletic um <laughs> uh, 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 like totem pole, if you will, right? And so his way of trying to prove it was taking uh, non-English speaking 
uh, people from tribal villages and shit around the world and then just throwing them into these events, having mm-hmm. no idea what to do. There's one yeah. where they were like running a sprint and they all stopped at the tape thinking that that was the finish line, not knowing that they should go go, like run through exactly. it. Because yeah, I mean, you, if you, you don't give know a man how a fish, it works, teach him how to fish, then what the fuck? Yeah, if you yeah. don't know how it works, you don't know that you're supposed to run through it. I mean, that seems like the logical uh, conclusion to make. Is like, oh, this is where I stop. Exactly. You know. Um, also, some of them like didn't run at all. Some of them just wandered away in the wrong direction, like, okay, just okay, because cool. they didn't know. And all these white people were like, oh, look at these dumb savages, not even knowing how to run in a straight line. It's like, bitch, you didn't tell them to do that. Yeah. You just put them there and shot a gun. Literally, yeah. like, that's what they did. Yeah, this, this is how they do it. Yeah. Is fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, back to our article. Pierre de uh, Coubertin or Coubert, I don't know, fuck, whatever. A French historian and founder of the International Olympic Committee took disapproving note of the spectacle and made a, a prescient observation. As for that outrageous charade, it will, of course, lose its appeal when black men, red men, and yellow men <laughs> learn to j- run, jump, and throw and leave the white men behind them. So, <laughs> right idea, still very 1904 languaging. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for the most part, yes. Uh, the Olympic signal event, the marathon, was conceived to honor the classical uh, heritage of Greece and underscore the connection between the ancient and the modern. But from the start of the 1904 marathon was uh, less showstopper than sideshow, a freakish spectacle that seemed more in keeping with the carnival atmosphere of the fair than the reverential mood of the games. The outcome was so scandalous that the event was nearly abolished for good. So we almost lost the idea of competitive marathons because of this. Yeah, I could imagine because the shit is fucking wild. So a few of the runners were recognized marathoners who had either won or placed in the Boston Marathon or had placed in previous Olympic marathons, but the majority of the field was composed of middle distance runners and assorted oddities. Americans uh, Sam Meller, A.L. Newton, John Lorden, Michael Spring, and Thomas Hicks, all experienced marathoners were among the favorites. Another American, Fred Lors, did all his training at night because he had a day job as a bricklayer and earned his spot in the Olympics by placing in a special five-mile race sponsored by the Amateur Athletic Union. Among the leading oddities were 10 Greeks who had never run a marathon, two men of the Sasana tribe of South Africa who were in St. Louis as part of the South African World's Fair exhibit, and who arrived at the starting line barefoot, and a Cuban national and former mailman named Felix uh, Carbajal, I believe, who raised money to come to the States by demonstrating his running prowess throughout Cuba, once trekking the length of the island itself. Upon his arrival in New Orleans, he lost all his money on a dice game and had to walk and hitchhike to St. Louis. This is the guy I was talking about earlier. Sorry, he was Cuban, not uh, Italian. Jesus Christ. Five feet tall, he presented a slight but striking figure at the starting line, attired in a white, long-sleeved, button-up shirt, long, dark pants, a beret, and a pair of street shoes, which for us these days would be dress shoes. Yeah. Some hard bottoms, kid. Yeah, yeah, exactly. One (laughs) fellow Olympian took pity, found a pair of scissors, and cut his trousers at the knee. (laughs) It's hot out here, bro. Air up in there. 
On August 30th, at precisely 3.03 p.m., David R. Francis, president of the Louisiana Purchase Exposition Company, fired the starting pistol, and the men were off. Heat and humidity soared into the 90s, and the 24.85-mile course, which one fair official called the most difficult a human being has ever asked to run over, wound across roads inches deep in dust. There were seven hills varying from 100 to 300 feet high, some with brutally long ascents, and many places cracked stone was strewn across the roadway, creating a perilous footing. And the men had to constantly dodge cross-town traffic, <laughs> delivery wagons, railroad trains, trolley cars, and people walking their dogs. So they didn't shut up. the course down. No, they were just no like, block hey, off. Like, hey, just run, run this the city, way. Bro. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could just make it back here. Run that way and make it back here, bro. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. There were only two places where athletes could secure fresh water from a water tower at six miles and a roadside well at 12 miles. James Sullivan, the chief organizer of the games, wanted to minimize fluid intake to test the limits and effects of purposeful dehydration, oh. a common area of research at the time. Cars you mean, carrying you mean being drunk. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, cars carrying coaches and physicians motored alongside the rotor, uh, the runners, kicking the dust up and launching coughing spells. Fred Lors led the 32 starters from the gun, but by the first mile, Thomas Hicks edged ahead. William Garcia of California nearly became the first fatality of an Olympic marathon when he collapsed on the side of the road and was hospitalized with hemorrhaging. The dust had coated his esophagus and ripped his stomach lining. Jesus Christ. Had he gone unaided for an hour longer, he might have bled to death. John Lorden suffered a bout of vomiting and gave up. Lin Tao of the South African participants was chased a mile off course by wild dogs. Holy fuck. Felix uh, Carvajal uh, trotted alongside, uh, trotted along in his cumbersome shoes and billowing shirt, making good time even though he paused to chat with spectators in broken English. On one occasion, he stopped a car, saw that its occupants were eating peaches, and he asked for one. Being refused, he playfully snatched two and ate them as he ran. There you go. Turn up. A bit further along the course, he stopped at an orchard, snacked on some apples, which turned out to be rotten. So suffering from stomach cramps, he laid down and took a nap. That's why he took a nap, heard. Sam Meller, who is now in the lead, also experienced severe cramping. He slowed to a walk and eventually stopped. At the nine-mile mark, cramps also plagued Lors, who decided to hitch a ride in one of the accompanying automobiles, waving at spectators and fellow runners as he passed. Hey, I'm in the race, bro, but, like, they offered me a ride, so, I mean, what am I supposed to do with that? Rex, one of the early American favorites, came under the care of a two-man support crew at the 10-mile mark. He begged them for a drink, but they refused, instead sponging out his mouth with warm, distilled water. <laughs> Seven miles from the finish, his handlers fed him a concoction of uh, strychnine and egg whites. Oh, what? I don't know. 
the first recorded instance of drug use in the modern Olympics. The, the, the Rocky mix right oh, there? Oh, shit. Crazy. Uh, it, strychnine in small doses was commonly used as a stimulant back in the day. Oh, wow. And at the time, there were no rules about performance-enhancing drugs. So the Hicks team carried a flask of French brandy but decided to withhold it until they could gauge the runner's condition. <laughs> so basically... So they were drinking. If they were the drinking Coca-Cola nine, like a motherfucker. Yeah, seriously. If the strychnine didn't work, they had brandy. Yeah, so like, get him. <laughs> we got you, bro. That's fucking nuts, man. Meanwhile, Lors uh, recovered from his cramps, emerging from his 11-mile ride in the automobile. One of Hicks's uh, handlers saw him and ordered him off the course, but Lors kept running and finished with a time of just under three hours. Oh <laughs> yeah, son. Turn it up. The crowd roared and began chanting, an all-American one. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's, that's some American shit. Find a way around. What's the loophole? I don't want to go the whole way. Oh, shit. Check Make this, out. this easy. <laughs> Alice Roosevelt, the 20-year-old daughter of President Theodore Roosevelt, pra- placed a wreath upon Lors's head and was just about to lower the golden medal around his neck when one witness reported, someone called an indignant halt to the proceedings with the charge that Lors was an imposter. <laughs> Wow. The cheers turned into booze. Lors smiled and claimed that he had never intended to accept the honor. He just finished only for the sake of a joke. Mm. <laughs> so this is all a big practical joke for the homie. He wasn't even trying to win. That's, cra- that's crazy. Uh, Hicks, the mm, strychnine nice. uh, coursing through his blood, had grown ashen and limp. When he heard that Lourdes had been disqualified, he perked up and forced his legs into a trot. His trainers gave him another dose of strychnine and egg whites this time with some brandy to wash it down. They fetched warm water and soaked his body and head. What? After the bathing, he appeared to revive and quicken his pace. Interesting. Over the last two miles of the road, wrote race official uh, Charles Lucas, Hicks was running mechanically like a well-oiled piece of machinery. His eyes were dull, lusterless. The ashen color of his face and skin had deepened. His arms appeared as weights, well tied down. He could scarcely lift his legs while his knees were almost stiff. (laughs) So they just made a robot out of this motherfucker. He began hallucinating, believing that the finish line was still 20 miles away. In the last mile, he begged for something to eat. He begged to lie down. He was given more brandy, but refused tea. He swallowed two more egg whites. He walked up the first of the last two hills and jogged down on the incline, swinging into the stadium. He tried to run, but was reduced to a graceless shuffle. His trainers carried him over the line, holding him aloft while his feet moved back and forth. <laughs> so his, his two trainers had literally picked him up by the shoulders or yeah. by his armpits, and he was just moving his feet above the, the ground. Wow. <laughs> I'm doing it, look, I'm doing it. And he was declared the winner. (laughs) That's fucking nuts, bro. It took four doctors and one hour for Hicks to feel well enough just to leave the grounds. He had lost eight pounds during the course of the race and declared, never in my life have I run such a tough course. The terrific hills simply tear a man to pieces. Hicks and Lors would meet again at the Boston Marathon the following year, which Lors run without the aid of anything but his legs. Oh, look at that. Have fun. They gave up the car. 
fucking 1904 Olympics, bro. What the fuck is yeah. that? Dude, the 1904 Olympics itself is fucking hysterical. Uh, I mean, like, this it, is just one game, and well, that's how bad with, it went. Yeah, right? with, with the right. World's Fair going on, they're already trying to, like, you know, hustle people and scapegoat shit. So they just turned the Olympics into a fucking, like, sideshow, basically. Yeah, so, so it was basically... Fair. That's what it sounds they, like to me. They tried to make the Olympics itself as long as the World Fairs, which is, like, six months. Yeah. And, it was, like, uh, a whole summer, bro. So people would come from different countries and just like wait and stay as long as they could. And then they would just leave because who the fuck is going to travel from another nation to St. Louis of all places and stay for several months just to watch athletes do what they do. Well, you know, St. Louis was a great place for trade for a long time because they were also like super low on like... They, they were trying to stretch it, basically, you know, so they were running out of things. At one point, they actually just sold tickets to a uh, a high school track meet. <laughs> just, so, come, just come see something. Just come, come here. A city begging for a fucking so awesome. e- economic boom. They're just begging for it. Well, well, yeah. Hey, guys, I probably need to unass the area and get back to it. Absolutely, buddy. Thank well, you for your time. Man. Appreciate yeah, you. Love you guys. Love you, man. Love you too, man. All right. Bye. Bye. Peace. What an asshole that drew. Just kidding. Um, oh, Drew Shells. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, you know, I might do the 1904 Olympics. I honestly just listened to the dollop episode. It's so fucking good. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's good shit. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like we said, we will... Fingers crossed, nothing happens in the next fucking four days. <laughs> we'll record the first episode of the Prohibition, uh, three episode dive that we're doing. Uh, we're going to do the pre, the height, and the effects. Um, so look forward to that. And yeah. then after that, oof, a lot. Lots is coming. Yeah, man. We're uh, so, a gold rush one I'm excited about. Uh, the gold rush is yeah, coming too. I'm excited gold about that. Coming one. Too. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Well, um, Thank y'all for listening, man. Uh, this has been um, a tweener episode. Number will be on the thing. Um, <laughs> uh, we love y'all. Uh, like I said, don't forget to give us that five star, that thumbs up, and all that good shit. Anyway, I'm Justin Hammonds. I'm saying love, love, life, because it's worth living, y'all. And Drew Shellnut would say either, uh, you know, read books and, and be nice to people or something weird or dark or, uh, you know, irreverent. And then uh, I'm Grant Bramlett. And, uh, you know, if you stuck in here listening to this bullshit episode and the little greatest hits thing we had to put out last week, um, I always loved you. If uh, you want people to run really long distances and refuse to give them water, I never liked you. Facts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty uh pretty solid. Yeah, pretty that. solid yeah. out there for sure. <laughs> Especially in the fucking heat of the fucking summertime. Um anyway. Yeah. Um we love y'all, man. Um uh, stay positive, be blessed, stay beautiful. This has been a podcast called Friends, Facts and Fiction. And we out. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for the next installment. Find us on Facebook and Instagram to stay up to date on all things friends, facts, and fiction. Our Instagram handle is friends underscore facts underscore fiction. As always, please reach out to us. You can send any of your questions, praise, and fact-checking to friends period facts period fiction at gmail.com. It's important to us to only propagate the truth, and we'll correct any errors we may have made. 
Your hosts and researchers are Justin Hammonds, Grant Bramlett, and Drew Shelman. Our episodes are produced by Grant Bramlett. Additional producership provided by Grace Higgs. Our recording engineer is Grant Bramlett. Our editor, mix, and mastering audio engineer is Jeremy Mulder. Lighting design is provided by Justin Hammonds. This has been a production of Friends, Facts, and Fiction.